friends, Sydney here, just hopping on to remind you that this is the second of two episodes about Leigh Bardugo's Siege and Storm, the second book in her Grishaverse trilogy. If you haven't listened to episode one yet, I highly recommend that you just pause here and go back and listen to the episode. If you have, but want a refresher, some of our favorite topics from episode one uh, included Mal and Alina's supreme inability to communicate, why the Darkling should have died in book two, and what would have happened if he had. Get ready for more hot takes in this second episode. We're going to keep them coming. And as always, brace yourself for spoilers and swear words. thing that I think needs to be changed is the the sea whip the 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 uh pacing the progress of the catching of the sea whip I agree that the mm-hmm. being on the high seas and the storm hunt elements are it's for me it's the fastest paced moment until the darkling attacks the little palace yeah. um and I I was so confused I was like oh I see a shape here at the start of the book, we're on. We're gonna find the sea whip. It, now we're right. we're mm-hmm. in a, a high seas adventure narrative. I understand this, um, mm-hmm. and then we quickly were not, and it, it for me yeah. slowed majorly down and, and shifted its focus onto like the destruction of Mal's personality as we know it. Um, yep. <laughs> and Alina trying to become a leader by following altruisms of those that surround her. Right. And then once she is actually starting to compose a community, they all just get fucking obliterated mm-hmm. yeah like all that work for nothing great yeah for nothing yeah hundreds for nothing. of pages for nothing. one dress one, one dress <laughs> yes yeah so i feel like we flipped the sea whip so yeah. that it's later in the book um i don't think the darkling has to even be there for it i think she makes i think she d- makes the kill comes back and then is about to like reveal basically what she's done to Nikolai mm-hmm. and the, like the other stakeholders in this, and then we get the Darkling attack. I like the attack in the in the palace. I think it has to be there. It's very effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that. Um, I think I I also was not expecting that we were going to get to the sea whip in chapter four, chapter five. I I also I think I would have absolutely understood this sort of yeah like you know see searching narrative but then it might be too similar to the first book so i wonder if that was something she wanted to avoid um what i do like about the darkling well what i really like is the darkling's um encounter with them at the beginning of the book where um the nikeboya bites alina yeah and what i what i wish maybe had been explained a little bit better is is um to play the role of steph here the like the physics of the bite and yeah, that was you know, something that I had the, on my list as well. Like, I was just going to ask yep. you guys, like, what do you think is going on here? Because I I think, so the thing, I think that the bite is supposed to, I think it basically, like, infects her with him, but mm-hmm. that's not stated. 
right? Because when she enters the fold, so, and, and I think it creates a connection between Alina and the fold specifically, mm-hmm. right? Because she enters the fold and she feels mm-hmm. that it's different. Mm-hmm. She says that, um, this is on page 126, I think, she says that it seemed to welcome her. It felt yes. like, you know, it felt like it was welcoming her and that it was alive. Um, yeah, she says it knows too. me, I thought, like, calls to like. Um, and then, yeah, the Volcra, the Volcra's cries sound human to her. So while they're in the fold, everybody else is wanting to hunt the Volcra, and they do. I mean, they actually find a nest also and, you know, kill the babies. And Alina is very distressed by this because the Volcra have changed to her now, and they're not only monsters. Um, so I would have, like, I would have loved to have a slightly clearer sense of like what the bite is doing and how that connects them. Um, yeah, because that I find fascinating. And do we, uh, I'm falling into the trap of asking about what might happen, but in this book, (laughs) I was so interested in the Volcra sounding human to Alina. I was excited that she was going to dive into another moral quandary, but what we get is her doing nothing. She just lets Mal lead them to a nest. She just lets them just keep shooting them. And that that will eventually lead me to my my theme that I wanted to talk about was, what do you think about Elena and her, her grapplings with power? But I want to know, that's so interesting that I like your theory, Sydney, and I wish it were explained in the book, but I think you're right, that he does put his nothingness in her mm-hmm. and like a black hole, Sam talking about gravity, um, he kind of accretes within within her or infects mm-hmm. her yeah so that the like calls to like makes sense within the fold because yeah. that is also of his merzost mm-hmm. of his power which i don't really feel like we needed personally so yeah. for me for me the, what do you mean? the bite waters down her interestingness oh. to me as a character because mm-hmm. we could yeah. we already had established mm-hmm. i feel because he's taken some of her power, I think we've already established a precedent for there being a connection between them in terms of their power. Mm. And for me, what the bite mm-hmm. does is almost like an infection, give a reason that is that is foreign or alien to Alina for why she does or feels the negative things that she feels. She's uh, been bitten by a shadow monster. Now she's yelling at the Grisha and threatening to cut Sergei in half. Oh, it's the shadow monsters. Uh, and I don't know, for me, I I dislike the suggestion that it is the the power, the sh- like the the shadow power that is the thing that is evil in and of itself, and I like more the suggestion that it is what an individual chooses to do with it with his or her abilities that mm. makes her light or dark um and for Mm. me it's a little bit too easy to be like well she's been bitten by a shadow monster and now she's having sex dreams about the darkling and like wanting the third amplifier (laughs) it's the shadow monsters and this wasn't isn't actually alina um does that make sense it does i agree with that but i do think that her having this infection going with sydney's idea of what that means in the fold it does make it more complicated for her morally absolutely. because she hears the But they don't. But I absolutely agree with you not wanting to just say. But they don't actually capitalize on the interesting no. element of that encounter, which is that that's right. right. The shadow 
her in being injected with shadow in that moment i think actually makes her more merciful which has been yes. which mm-hmm. has been touted mm-hmm. as the opposite of the darkling mm-hmm. this whole time but in that mm-hmm. moment because she has been infected with the shadow she she hears these non-humans as as having some kind of human quality which therefore makes them like you know this is also problematic but because they have human right. qualities they are therefore deemed as being worthy of mercy in the book mm-hmm. to her and that troubles her yeah. but the book doesn't i don't think right. ever comes back to the fact that like this shadow quality is actually has expanded her conception of mercy in in this context yeah or darkness so, yeah yeah or darkness it's it is brought up, right it is yeah it is brought up and i and i wrote in the margins here because it is so interesting but you're right Sam that it's basically brought up and then dropped so Mm. on page 129 she Sturmhand is like all right maybe we should get out of the fold stop killing Volker and she's like yes let's go um and then she says you know my hand shook the wound at my shoulder burned and throbbed what was wrong with me the Volker or monsters they would have torn us apart without a thought I knew that and yet I could still hear their cries so yeah precisely the Equally, if not more interesting, is the fact that her infected shoulder, you know, yeah, now opens up her, um, yeah, idea of what is mercy or who is deserving of mercy, right? It's not just the stag. It's not just the sea whip. It is also the Volker themselves. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think that having... I think it would have been interesting to have both this kind of expanded sense of mercy and this, um, you know, some some kind of slightly maybe unhinged moments, right? Or, or moments when she feels that she comes unhinged, yeah. right? She, yeah, loses control when the Grisha are pushing back against the idea that she is going to lead the second army and she almost uses the cut in, on Sergei and then, yeah, turns it to the, the ceiling and cracks open the dome mm-hmm. of the... Yeah. Um, yeah, the eating yeah. hall. So I think and, I think that that might have developed it better, and then also yeah, just been a more um, sort of productive. Right, and in that moment, she is also thinking of Nikolai's story about cutting off the fingers of the first ship captain mm-hmm. he boarded. Right, and it's that I I see as kind of her exploring a darkness that is outside of the darkling because I think Nikolai is a very interesting, he's not a foil to the darkling, but right. he's a parallel. She, she makes him a foil and... in certain, in certain moments where she'll say like, well, how do I know that you won't? Yeah. Whatever she says, like f- feed me to the, whatever, if you know, you needed to, to get ahead. And he's yeah. kind of affronted His response by is this. always, am I torturing you? He's kind of like, I hope <laughs> I was like, that's not, yeah. But then at the but then in that in the, the scene that I'm thinking of, he says and they both have this is a kind of moment that joins them. They both sort of agree like I don't know what I would do. Yeah. 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 Which is interesting to me. I like the exploration of her darkness through Nikolai and vice versa. Nikolai's exploration of his own darkness. Yeah. It's the human to Should human. we shift to Nikolai as a just to touch on him as a yeah. Steph, how did you did you like the addition of him as a as a character? Uh, yeah, I, I think I did and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear. I, let's yeah, get let's in. Hear, I want to get into it. <laughs> I think having Nikolai there, just as I said, 
is interesting for her exploration of her darkness through another character that's not the Darkling or herself. It's interesting because it's a different angle yeah. for her to see herself or a different mirror to look at herself yeah. through or at. But on the other hand, he also seems like an implant for political intrigue that otherwise we could have gotten mm -hmm. with Alina trying to lead the second army and uh, pushing against West Ravka. Yeah. But then we have the added layer once again of kissing. <laughs> oh, he's handsome. Oh, do I like him back? Mm -hmm. This is complicated for me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. In in another sense, it's just a, a rehashing of the Darkling through a character who doesn't have the Darkling's powers. Right. So it's almost a level down from her contention with her feelings about the Darkling. Mm -hmm. At the same time that I appreciate that level down of, okay, the stakes don't have to be so extreme. Yeah. To also still get an idea of your own moral compass and your own ethos. It's It's a... It's a both and for me. I also think he's the comedic character that she added yeah, in. Yeah, for sure. Which was also strange for me. He, that, like, there's a lot of, yeah. like, anger <laughs> and angst in this book. And he def he right. diffuses some of that tension by just being, like, making yeah. light sometimes right. of some of the intensity yes. of the situations. Um, yes. And having this person who's also trying to become king and is also mm -hmm. known to be extremely clever mm -hmm. and dangerous mm -hmm. to be the one providing the comedic relief is interesting yeah it's a choice <laughs> yeah it's um not the crows we didn't have the crows come right. in for comedic effect we had the second perhaps bastard son mm -hmm. of the king and um, i sure hope he's a bastard as because... the jester man oh i think I think they. Pre I think the book presents it as like this is it's, basically certain. Yeah, it's like just ninety nine. We can't yeah. obviously talk about it, but yeah. you know, Vasily sucks. So I yeah, I felt like the the monarchy was underutilized in the first book, and so I was happy to hmm. see that become more of a player in terms of the the politics of the mm -hmm. world. I, mm -hmm. It just. Yeah, to me that seemed like, oh, they're just kind of placeholding here. Like, we have a monarchy, it's a thing that happens in this world system, but mm -hmm. they're not actually right. and we have doing much. But here we have someone who's right. got aspirations, and we get to know a little bit about, more about how the royal family functions in this. That is one of the things I think this book is doing, is trying to expand the world in terms of its political systems. Yeah. Um, yeah. We get nothing else on the queen, though. No. <laughs> Except for she's less has, pretty. <laughs> she's less pretty, and she loves her scruffy dog. Yeah. She's lost Jenya, so she's yeah. less pretty. Yeah. 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 I guess, I mean, I guess we got a little, we got a tiny bit more on her in that she is very relieved to have Nikolai home. Um she, at least that was my impression of, of kind of when he comes back. Mm -hmm. And then also, so in the, um, I sort of glossed over this. If, at the end of the book, the Darkling's arrival at the palace is preceded by the banquet in honor of Nikolai's birthday. 
Um, at which point Vasily, his older brother, is like, I've actually been hard at work, even though I'm drunk and only like horse ra- racing. I've actually have been hard at work, like trying, basically trying to secure more power for himself by creating an alliance with the Fyrdans, which it turns out he he thought that he was creating an alliance where they would side with um, Ravka over the Darkling, but in fact, it's, it's the opposite. So um, it turns out that the alliance that Vasily has made has allowed the Darkling to just sort of plow on through. And Nikolai points out that essentially all of the important people in Ravka are at, are in the same location at his birthday party. And then that's when the bell, the alarm bells start going off and the Darkling's here and it's very dramatic. Um, and Vasily is like killed, right? Almost immediately by one of the shadow monsters. And, um, you know, Nikolai's mother, the queen, is distraught, which I feel bad that I'm like laughing because, you know, Vasily is just such a loathsome character. Uh, but it's kind of hard, like, not to laugh at him. Uh, but, you know, we're, we are, we are seeing, and, you know, all that the queen gets to be is, you know, is a mother, but, you know, maybe that was all she was allowed to be. Um, and, you know, it's interesting to see how she cares deeply for both of her sons. Uh, in maybe different ways or, you know, despite of or because of, you know, different different things. So she's given a little bit more, a tiny bit, but not much. It's mostly that she now looks like a wilted flower right. because yep. Jenny is not right. around. I agree. And you're correct. There, There's a bit more to her kind of motherhood part of her identity. I'm just Wouldn't grasping it be- at it. So you are. You are. But it, there's proof of it for sure. How much more interesting would it be, though, if she were actually a power player? In this oh, book? yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like- if we wanted to go court intrigue, let's just right. dive into court intrigue. Yeah. Let's make her have her own grasp at power. That would be sick. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, I yeah. wonder if I wonder if some of it is that the book is trying to do too many things at yes. once. And so it can't do any one of them to satisfaction. Yeah. Well, uh, I kind of... That's a bit harsh. Sam, Sam's face is like, whoa. Yeah. No, no, no. I I had a, a sort of nasty thought and I didn't say it out loud. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nikolai would be proud. Mm. Yeah. Um... Go, or Steph, I wanted to make sure that we talked about Bagra and Jenya, if you all wanted to. Oh, yeah. But definitely. wanted to, also wanted to see, since we're going to have to be wrapping up sooner rather than later, wanted to see if there were there was anything else you guys wanted to touch on before we go. Bagra, Jenya, and how we see Alina react to things in this book. Okay, let's maybe do, do you want to do Alina react to things first and then sure. we can finish with Jenya and Bagra? Sure. Yeah. Alina, I already hinted at my thoughts about it, but Alina, once again, just kind of lets things happen all the way until she blasts the dome right. at the little palace, which I was excited about that. I loved that scene. It was finally the showing of, yeah, do you mean she's when doing she's it? She's wielding her power. In the middle she does of the, the book? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not the end. Yeah, yeah. When she's about to kill Sergei, but she blasts it upwards. Right. Which the, um, which I was the very book marks as being a sign of her growing interest in darkness and power. Right. It does yes. not read it as and like, she's finally doing something. <laughs> no. Yes. And I, I suppose before that, too, 
she puts up her hand to silence people. And there's that tiny little script that says, have them follow the little directions and they will follow the big directions or the orders rather than directions. Mm -hmm. I saw that as her first flicker of, ooh, this is working for me. And then from there, we have the moments of her enjoying people um, grimacing when she makes them uncomfortable or she kind of dominates over them with the newfound power that she has. I like those little moments, too, that are kind of tracking through. Um, but up to that point, I was once again very frustrated with, or even beyond that point, actually, I'm still frustrated with her dealings with Nikolai hmm. because she lets him lead her through the entire thing. She she doesn't question once again an authority figure in front of her, except with those moments of, oh, I should still be suspicious because he's a power player. But that doesn't quite come to fruition within their relationship. She's always deferring to him. And all the way to the beginning where he says, well, I'm taking you with me and do you, you want to be my bride? And she goes, ah, maybe not. Could I at least have the second army? So that's like a small defiance. Hmm. But then she lets him parade her around, which takes up a significant portion of the book. Right. Where they're on tour. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Stop. I had trouble with that big section. Um, She was the puppet, a puppet with a tiny bit of power, just like Genya, um, sort of reversed or inverted. And I think that's Mal's point. Is that she's the puppet? Mm -hmm. He's like, why do you like, why do you defend this guy so much? And she says like, well, you know, it's not like he's like the apparat trying to like make me a saint. And he's like, well, he's letting people believe that that's the case. Mm-hmm. So how is that any different? Mm-hmm. Yep. Same with him leading the public very forcefully to believe that they're together on the entire tour. Mm-hmm. And he grabs a kiss and she goes, what the hell was that? And then their conversation in the carriage is problematic where she's like, I kicked, she kicked him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he goes, don't kick me again. She says, I kicked you because you kissed me and he said i will kiss you if you don't kick me and she says that's not what's happening here (laughs) you're not supposed to kiss me first but then she just defers to him and says okay fine i won't kick you again it's just i i'm very disturbed by that interaction well and then also at the end towards the end of the book right there Mm -hmm. is a moment when nikolai and alina are talking and he it looks like he's gonna kiss her and she kind of wants him to kiss her Mm-hmm. at that point in time. Mm-hmm. But he says, I'm not going to kiss you now. I'm not going to kiss you um, until you're not thinking about him, but you're thinking about me. Mm-hmm. Which, like, gotta be honest, I, I like, think that's fine. You know, right? Like, I'm not going to kiss you because you're, like, you know, you're just doing this to, like, get back at someone else or you're thinking about him. You're not actually interested in me. And so, you know, I'm not going to actually initiate this with you. And she says, well, at least now I know you don't always say the right thing. And walks away. And it's like, what? I know. I was also baffled by that interaction. Like, I actually felt like that, he was being fairly, like, He's actually like, do, I think he's doing the right thing there. Yeah. Right? He's yeah. like, yes, I'm interested in kissing you, but I'm not going to kiss you while you're thinking about another man. Yeah. Like, sorry, that, that's, you or know, like, that's my boundary he's saying there. I don't want to be used by you. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Which, 
maybe is ironic given the way that he's right. been using her the all day yes, long. I yeah, I some of the I don't know. It's difficult to say because this is a fictional character. It's difficult mm. to say how much of this character, the construction of this character, is just so bound up in the like the narrative about female sexuality where women are always like, no, I don't want to be kissed. But like, I'm having playful banter when I'm kicking you because haha, I must resist. Or if she's just like genuinely not interested (laughs) and, you know, is being uh, put upon by all these male figures. To me, it's not clear because she like, sometimes she wants to kiss him. Sometimes she's mad Mm -hmm. at Mal. And it's, I just, I just want to believe in a world where Alina, it was like free Alina. Let her just like, she, yeah. she wants to kiss someone, <laughs> yes. kiss someone. If she doesn't want to kiss yeah. someone, let's not make it, like, unclear about <laughs> what she wants. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Alina is also, so it's funny, I haven't I haven't asked her if I can share this, but I, I will ask her retrospectively before we release this. Um, uh, so my therapist has, has, you know, listened to all of the books, and so we actually, like, occasionally talk about Shadow and Bone. Mm. And so I told her that the last time we recorded, I said, this is, this is the time when I wish my therapist were here because she could help us. <laughs> and so I brought that up to her in our last session, and she, like, laughed and just, you know, was saying, you know, I, I really enjoy the books. You know, they're very fun, but sometimes I, like, see what Alina is doing, and I just think... God, does she have to be so codependent? <laughs> and and it's true. Like Alina is, Alina is very codependent. Mm-hmm. Um, codependency is a lot more maybe frequent uh, than we might. Then then I think a lot of people think it's also kind of a lot more mundane in some ways, right? Um, but you know, Alina, Alina and Mal are very codependent. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think that there are some ways in which that maybe leaks out into then some of her other relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is a complete yeah. flip from the way that we discussed them in the f- series and right. in the first right. book. Right. Yeah. Which is, I think is interesting um, to think about. Yeah, as as in we needed them to be separate and independent in order for Alina to harness right. her Right, powers. that like their yeah. relationship yeah. was a stabilizing force in Alina's life, which various power players needed to destabilize in order to control her and her power. Um, right. And in this book, we really okay. see, I to- yeah, I totally agree. We really see their relationship take a nosedive, mm-hmm. <laughs> perhaps because they are yeah. codependent. Um, yeah. Just like the hummingbird. Just like the hummingbird. Yeah. yeah. Great aspirations. They both jump in Terrible the in practice. They both go down. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. It is. Well, do we want to sort of wrap up with Jenya and Bagra? Yes, definitely. Mm. Also, because I haven't explained what happens to them. Yeah. Should I give a little explanation? Absolutely. Go for it. So I'll do Bagra first because hers is a little bit shorter. So Bagra, uh, Alina goes to visit Bagra when she comes back to the little palace. um, And Bagra is... I hate to say it, a shadow of her former self, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> it, which dark. makes light of something that is in fact very sad, which is that Bagra, you know, looks now very sort of aged and tired. And then the darkling has taken her eyes. So as she puts it, he has left her in shadow as punishment for Bagra's helping Alina escape from the little palace. So we, and there, there is a time 
Yeah, when Alina, I think, brings that up to the Darkling, what he did to Bagra, and it, it does look like it pains him. Uh, but, um, but yeah, his, you know, his own mother, he took her eyes as punishment for something that she did that uh, foiled his plans. So that's, and, and Bagra is, Bagra is not thrilled to see Alina. She's like, you should have gotten the hell out of Dodge. I lost imagine? my eyes to get I you the hell you out of Dodge. I gave you one job, you didn't even yeah. do it. And now I have right. no eyes. <laughs> like, and you're back here. And you're you know, back like where we started. Encouragement. I don't know what. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's Bagra. And then Jenya. So Jenya's a little more complicated. So Jenya is on the ship, as I mentioned. She is still like with the Darkling. We get so some of the encounters between Alina and Jenya that we get in the first season of the series, we get a little bit of that information here in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, then critically, when Alina and Mal are escaping from the ship, Jenya actually holds them up at gunpoint to try to prevent them from going. But basically, she can't she can't go through with keeping them there. And she 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 doesn't put her gun down, but she says, just go. And so she allows them to escape. So then when we see Jenya at the end, again, which is at the end of the book, um, the Darkling reveals her to Alina and to David. And um, Jenya has been bitten all over by the Nikeboya and is extremely physically disfigured um, and has lost one of her eyes and um, is, yeah, is, is physically destroyed. And so this is interesting. The... Um, the worshippers, right, who are underground, come up with uh, the name in Russian, which means the ruined Virginia. And Alina uh, says to Tolia and Tamar at the end of the book, if um, if you hear one of them call Genya the ruined, cut their tongues out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Genya is such an interesting character especially in this book because she is the one who calls out Alina for letting the people on the skiff die right in the first book so I'm looking at yeah page 40 41 she has these encounters with Jenya very early on in the book and again I'm not sure how I feel about the placement of this interaction um, but for all intents and purposes, it's her saying her allegiance is to the Darkling because the Darkling saved her. And on that hand, I understand her position. And on the other hand, Alina's trying to explain that the Darkling is evil. Can <laughs> right. you see? And then she even says on 40, she's talking about the Black Heretic. Right. And Alina says, there is no Black Heretic, I said, revealing the truth that Bagra had laid out before me months ago at the Little Palace. He blamed his ancestor for the fold, but there's only ever been one Darkling, and all he cares about is power. Mm-hmm. And then Jenya responds, that's impossible. The Darkling has spent his life trying to free Ravka from the fold. We don't follow up on that at all. Correct. And Alina just follows this new thread and says, how can you say that after what he did to Novokabirsk? And that's, that's pretty much that. So in this really important crux point between them, she decides to just kind of let that go. Uh, that is a really important point <laughs> to yeah. try and convince someone that the Darkling is the Black Heretic and is, in fact, the one who caused devastation. But she just kind of lets it slide. And maybe it is kind of the self-loathing that Alina is feeling that she allows this to shift into her saying or a thinking again about 
the moral quandary that she had. She did let the people on the skiff die. She sees the aftermath, right. sort of. I mean, all the bones are kind of gone and the flesh. Right. But Jenya is providing this moment for her to start to convince others that the Darkling has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. That seems, uh, it just seems like a really important thing to be trying to spread this information that the Darkling is not trying to save your fucking country. Right. He's trying to tear it down. Just please, you have one job. You're like one of the two people on the planet that knows the fact. Yeah, I mean, why is she, why is she keeping that a secret too? I'm so upset about that. Like, please do better. Yeah. I mean, she goes to the library sometimes in this book. Right. I'm sorry. I'm I'm also upset that in the first book she's not curious at all and then in this book she's not disseminating really important information at right. all. Like that's the point. Push it. Let it spread. Yeah. Let it fly. So Jenya is very important in this moment for the moral quandary and also to highlight Alina's shortcomings for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but back to Jenya. She's she's very complicated and interesting. What are, what are, what are your thoughts on Jenya, Sam? I think we've you've talked about her oh, in the series. Oh, yeah, no, I I this this twist really worked for me. Mm. Um it it worked as by that I mean like I was surprised that the book went there. And mm-hmm. I I liked that it went there. Um, and where's there? Like in particular. That spent a lot of pages touting how beautiful Jenya is and having yeah. that be something that it clearly matters to her as a character. And it's something that is um, a core part of her identity, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. And then um, taking that from her. Um, and presumably, in the third book, we'll get to see her doing some pretty complex emotional work with the changes that have been wrought on her. I, I thought it... Ooh, I thought it... For me, it, it worked as a twist. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's interesting both to see her sort of... Um, Paired with Alina at the end of the book, thematically in the sense that um, Jenya has lost some of her scare quotes power, um, mm. and so has Alina. She's physically unable to summon, and she's also physically transformed. Um, I think the book yeah. has a preoccupation with the way that you look, and how that mm-hmm. um, relates to your your power, the, your actual mm-hmm. capabilities in the world, and uh, we see that kind of played out here too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and some of the... Oh, go ahead. Some of the associations with beauty still really bother me. Um, But Mm -hmm. for Jenya also, there's more to it than that because altering physical appearances is her Grisha ability. Yeah. It feels Uh, more two-dimensional. It feels more two-dimensional in Zoya's case and more three-dimensional. Three-dimensional As a character feature Mm -hmm. of Jenya. But I don't don't disagree Mm -hmm. with you about the... Right, some of those complicated squicky things. Yeah, yeah. Also because the the Nikkeboya's, um bites can't be ever fully healed. Yeah. So there there's a sense of you know you've you've lost something that can't well you've you have been changed irrevocably. Yeah. And you know there are some things that you can do, but now you have to grapple with a new reality. Yeah. So I, I you know think we can kind of lean into that more than into the fact that you know Jenya was super beautiful and then now you know she's not as beautiful or not beautiful at all um and that's certainly in the way that mm-hmm. she thinks right she yeah. was it's is this just a metaphor for the scars that you have sometimes don't heal 
even if you look good. Because I'm still struggling with Jenya's preoccupation with beauty. Because her entire facade was her creation since she was a child. That's right. what she said in the first book. Yeah. So her lack of beauty in that scene, to me, isn't so metaphoric as it is just showing mm. intense pain that she's been feeling about her appearance. Mm-hmm. I, I, Because she can easily just make those go away, but now she's always going to have an actual manifestation of pain, of being ugly because of all the holes in her body. Mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to grapple with the idea that beauty is important to Jenya's character. Uh, yeah, that it makes I, her more three D. I hear you. I I don't. I'm not trying to suggest that I think it's right or wrong what she does. Just that I understand her motivations for for wanting to look a certain way given the world that she lives in. I see. I see. Like I, I'm so not here. I'm not here. Like herself. shouting out like we should all get tailored. Although right. I I, no. ha- I happen no. to think that if you want to get tailored, more power to you. Um. I don't like how the queen gets bad mouthed for all of a sudden looking her age. Uh, right. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think for better or for worse, Jenya has seen her value, a lot of her value, as being placed in the way that she looks physically. Um, and that does seem to be something that she takes a kind of pleasure in. And now that has been that's been taken from her in a pretty dramatic way. And it has, but am I missing something that she lost her powers? No, no, no. I mean, I mean, like she's, I don't think she's lost her Grisha power. I just mean like the, um, the fact that she can do things because she is beautiful or the fact Mm. that she, uh, has a certain kind of cachet because she is beautiful. Well, and her, her beauty reflects her art, right? In the sense that, it's kind of like, I hate to say it, but like, if you go to a hairdresser and like their hair looks bad, you're kind of like, should I sit in this chair? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. You know, and so, right, to have a tailor who it's is. a great comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Who, to have a tailor who is so disfigured that even their abilities cannot heal the disfigurement, right? You know, like, ha- cannot heal the damage inflicted upon them. Um, you know, that that is a notable yeah, I mean that is a notable thing. I I do think that I I where I get frustrated is that the book um, upholds and sometimes even almost accidentally champions the association of beauty and worth that is rampant throughout society. So mm-hmm. I just hate that. But uh, it is definitely different, Jenya and Zoya, right? Zoya, it's like, well, she's beautiful, so I have to hate her because she must be a sexual rival to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, with with Jenya, there is more. There is more going on. Yeah, and Zoya also actively pursues Mal in front of Alina. It's Correct. not just that she's beautiful; it's also that she's appearing to Alina as a rival because she's. Trying right. to kiss him. She's trying to say, are you done with him? Yeah, mm-hmm. no, she definitely objectifies Mel in the sense that, like, if two men had this conversation, like, let me know when you're done with her. I'm around. Yeah. Like, we would be like, right. Yeah. You know? So yeah. she's yeah. I she speaks about Mel in a way that I find icky. Um, in yeah. addition to yeah. the fact that she you know, kisses him when they're, she knows they're together. Um, right. Yeah. I For me, also, the, the Jenya... Um, 
transformation, like it's just another marker for me of the fact that the book is clearly trying to, I think, mark the Darkling as like, nope, just bad. Like, yes. we open this book with him being like, I'm going to torture you, Alina, right. until I get what I want. Which is like, mm-hmm. in my mind, pretty clearly, like, this is a bad character. Uh, he yeah. is. We are not meant to think ambivalently about him, but then we, then Alina does think ambivalently about yeah. him, which confuses me. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, I mean. <laughs> I'm also confused. I'm also confused. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's an easy way to continue to portray the depths to which he will go to punish those who do not right. do like, what he wants. Pulling out your mm-hmm. mother's eyes. Is I mean, a, that alone should have done it. It's a pretty unambiguous <laughs> marker of villainy in, yeah, in my book. A little book. bit. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. Which, you know, not to, like, beat a dead horse, but, like, is one of the reasons why it makes more sense for me to have her, Alina, uh, end him at the end of this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think I, uh, I think this might be a place where we have to start wrapping up. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. I was wondering if this will... Steph, you look like you want to say something, so go ahead. I was going to start on my final thoughts. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) I, uh, a lot of this discussion has been about what the book has done wrong. And I I would love to not walk away with that in Mm -hmm. my own mind. Because I guess in general, it does feel like a fluff book, an in-betweener. Hmm. where she tries to do something, she learns more about herself, we have more love troubles, great, what are we left with? The end scene is very important with her struggle of overtaking the Darkling, perhaps. I I just... I don't know, guys. I'm trying to figure out something good to say. About well, I'm still this book. to like loop us back to need to where you started us. I'm still trying to sort out in my head how this is going to be a book about love. Full of love. I know. I'm sorry. A, I don't know. A love. Netflix series about love. Yeah. I just like. Yeah. I mean, broken hearts. Like love I troubles. get because there's a lot yeah. of unhappy people in this book. Right. I mean, yeah, Archie, right, Archie Renault said to bring us back, he said, love, power, heartbreak. Heartbreak, get it. Power, get it. The love, I suppose, if that goes to the heartbreak, I get it. Um, full of love, I, I'm not sure. Unless it's sort of the love that leads to the heartbreak, I'm not sure how I and are we, yeah, really see and Are that we thinking of love as like the holistic love? Like what it truly means to be in love is right. to have... Uh, uh, What's the C word that means you both are unhappy at the end? Compromise. Compromise. (laughs) (laughs) Ask me how I really feel. Um, (laughs) But, you know, the all-encompassing, what it entails, the trying to figure out a power dynamic between two people in love. Um, One is perhaps always above the other. You're going to have troubles. Um... If that is the kind of love that is implied in that comment, then I can get behind that because it is about love as mercy, love as compromise, love as understanding, mm. love as attempting to communicate but not being able to. Then I can I could kind of understand, but because they added heartbreak to it as well, 
Yeah. I'm thinking that may not be what was intended in yeah. that phrase because it's separating out one of the major factors. Yeah. The kind of pain that happens with love. Anyway, don't ask me about compromise. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Oh boy. Well, I love the Alina Darkling connection, obviously. You know, I'm just going to say it. And I love the complexity of Alina and, you know, is she going to embrace the dark? Is she not? So I hope that those are things that they will lean into in the series and maybe possibly also kind of push forward or do new things with. Practically speaking, again, like, and I don't think this is just me. I think Ben Barnes is going to have to have a lot more screen time than he's given based on this book. Same was, it was the same with the first um, and again, I, I don't think that's just me, but, uh, also just sort of his, um, his role in the series and yeah. his presence, uh, as, as an actor. So I'm interested to see where they go with that. Yeah. I really hope they lean into her, the, the greed that she feels with the power that she's accruing because they took away, like we talked about, they took, took away the moral, morally ambiguous ending of the first mm-hmm. book. So we have her highlighted as yes. someone who is wonderful and great and makes the the best choice, easy choice. I don't know. Not easy choice, sorry. But the most morally uplifting choice. So I hope they lean into this darkness that she experiences in the first book and the second book. We really need that. We need the darkness to understand Alina's thoughts more. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, otherwise it becomes a completely different story. Like, and right. otherwise she's just haunted by a sexy man, which, you know what? Okay. <laughs> that's oh, appeal. Okay. You know, that's... Can we rename the series that? Haunted by a sexy man. Is it just ghost? Where's the pottery? Shadow Where's and pottery. Boner. <laughs> Shadow and boner. Patrick Swayze helps you make pottery. Ben Barnes, ben Barnes. makes you... Oh, I would make, make some heckin' pottery with Ben Barnes. <laughs> I bet he's an excellent sculptor. He probably yes. just knows how to do that stuff. I mean, look at his body. You know that's true. <laughs> got him. Great. I'm glad we got here. Yeah. <laughs> we had to get. We had to get here one way or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's time to go because my cat is hurling his body against the door of the room in which I am recording. Yep. I think that's as good a sign as any. <laughs> yeah, I am I am hoping in the next recording, which we will do on the third book of the series, that we, I think that's called Ruin and Rising, that we will talk yeah. a little bit more. I'm really curious about your thoughts about what the um, upcoming series might do with the material mm-hmm. that we have, um, and that that point yeah. we'll have mm-hmm. the full trilogy arc um, under our belt so we can talk through that. But I, yeah. I am curious about any kind of speculation that the two of you have about, like, what the heck we're going to do with the crows. I think Nikolai Nikolai and uh, the crows would be a fun combo. I don't think they're going to have that combo in the second series. Right. The second Mm. season of the series, Mm -hmm. but they would be fun. And so I'm I'm curious about, hopefully we can talk about that the next time we meet. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Thanks guys. Yeah. Thanks Sydney. You're welcome. This was great. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Good morning morning. and good morning. (laughs) Go green a day. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take a night up. (laughs) All the YAs is a podcast recorded and produced by Steph, Sydney, and Sam. 
But we couldn't do what we do without our many collaborators, including Stella Bowman, Pam Locke, Olivia Milroy Evans, and Cecilia Christman. Our theme music was composed by Nate Kuhn. Our cover photo captured by Sean Malik, and our logo designed by Lara Musser. And many thanks to you, our listeners. Contact us at alltheyas at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We love getting your questions, comments, suggestions, and any shit about YA that you think is funny. Thanks for listening.